On today's show, the Hawks go to Cleveland and lose on the second night of a back-to-back. We'll touch on all of what transpired, who played, who did not play, crucially, in this game. And we'll touch on the entire big picture, the small picture, all the nuance, the breakdowns you're looking for, and much more. And all of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1610 of the Lofton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Saturday evening into Sunday here in mid-December. And today's show is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And the place to go is prizepix.com slash LoftonMBA. Use promo code LoftonMBA when you get there for a first deposit match up to $100. Check it out now with PrizePix. And I also should encourage you at the top of the podcast, as I always do, to make us your first listen each and every day here at Lofton Hawks and subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts on the audio side. We are at places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, etc. We're also on the video side over on YouTube. And I definitely encourage you to check out the entire archive of the show as well. Been very busy in the last several days, including a back-to-back here for the Hawks and for us on this podcast. And with all that said, we'll dive in now to what became a 127-119 to loss for Atlanta in Cleveland. They fall to 1-2 on this road trip and 10-15 overall this season. Their eighth loss in the last 10 games. Obviously not great times for the Hawks right now. It's their second road loss in Cleveland in about two and a half weeks. And yeah, nobody's happy. I'll be the first to say that. Certainly not a loss that anybody's excited about. But there is a lot of context to this one. I broke down, by the way, yesterday a pretty good win for the Hawks up in Toronto. Um, one that they pretty much badly needed because, I said this last night as well, this is going to be a tough spot no matter what in Cleveland. And yes, the Cavs were without two key players in this game. Evan Mobley and Darius Garland are very good, and they are better players individually than what the Hawks guys were, the, the Hawks guys that were out in this game. With that said, I saw some national framing that was kind of, kind of hilarious in this game about how the Cavs were undermanned. Uh, that's not really what I would say in this game. In fact, I will say with confidence, the Hawks had a much, much more challenging circumstance positionally, you know, depth-wise, injury-wise, and also schedule-wise in this game than the Cavs did. And the injury report was basically the story of the day for Atlanta all day long. So we'll start there. On the bright side, DeAndre Hunter came back after missing three games in a row with some knee issues, although he was limited, it seems like. Um, no confirmation of this. I'm not in Cleveland, but I think DeAndre pretty clearly was limited in minutes to play 26 minutes in this game and did not close the game despite no foul trouble, etc. So I'm going to guess he was taking it easy a little bit on the uh, urging of the coaching staff and the training staff. But he's back. That's a positive. With that said, though, Clay Capella was out in this game with left knee, nor- with left knee soreness. Bogdan Madonovich was out in this game with right ankle- with a right ankle sprain. AJ Griffin is still out with personal reasons, and then Jalen Johnson, of course, is still out right now as he recovers from his wrist fracture. So, all that said, the Hawks were without, at least in my mind, three of their top five players in this game. You might quibble with the order here. Um, you might say three of the top six, three of the top seven. For me, three of their top five players in this game, Johnson, Capella, and Bogdanovich, to go along with, obviously, Trey and DeJounte as their top five players, in my opinion. Again, you, can, you might say three of seven, three of six, whatever it's going to be. Three very important players out for this for the Hawks in this game, plus some depth with AJ, plus a guy who was limited clearly in DeAndre Hunter. And that's before you even get to the fact that this is a back-to-back for the Hawks with travel from Toronto, customs and all, and then the Cavs were off yesterday. So somebody asked me actually during this game on Twitter what a schedule loss was, and I basically pointed to this game. This is a schedule loss for the Hawks. They were supposed to lose this game. They were underdogs at tip-off. They were four and a half one underdogs actually at FanDuel. That isn't a huge margin, 
but it was their fourth largest margin in terms of being an underdog of the season. So if you stacked it up, and again, Vegas is not foolproof. I'm not saying this is absolutely the case, but it's a good barometer of what the market and what the projections and what the smart people think about games pre- and before, they, before they actually start. If you stack the whole schedule up so far for the Hawks through 25 games, Vegas would have had this as the, as the fourth most difficult spot for the Hawks the entire season so far. And again, that, that factors in the travel, the back-to-back, the fact that you were on the road in Cleveland, the fact that Cleveland's still pretty good, even without two guys, and of course the injuries. So it's not excuse-making. It is what it is. The Hawks were just not good enough on, in this game, especially in the first quarter, we'll talk about in a second. But, um, you know, I saw some framing about this game, like being this horrible disappointment and horrible. For, you know, they didn't play well in the first quarter in particular. Um, after that, they actually showed some pretty, in, in my mind, pretty impressive resilience to stay in this game and not get blown out because it felt like for a while in this game, honestly, if you didn't watch it, that it was going to be over like by halftime. But it wasn't. The Hawks played well and competently and fiercely and actually, again, resiliently late in this game. Just not quite enough to get over the hump after digging themselves the big hole at the outset. So, as we always do, we'll sort of start broadly and then we'll sort of dig down into the details of this game. But I'll start with the defense. It was not good enough defensively on the whole in this game. It got better throughout the game. Um, but And they held the Cavs to pretty reasonable numbers after the first quarter. But all 48 minutes do count in the NBA. Uh, it's the professional basketball league. So, a 132 defensive rating for the Hawks. That's obviously very bad. Um, in my mind, it was very obvious how important Clint Capella can be throughout this game. That wasn't the entire reason, but they uh, missed him badly. The Cavs did not shoot the ball incredibly well. They were solid from the field and from three-point range and didn't get to the line a ton, but the Hawks got absolutely massacred on the glass in this game. The Cavs had 18 offensive rebounds that led to 33 second-chance points. So the league leader right now in second chance points per game is, I'm, I'm looking it up right now just to make sure I'm not crazy. Yeah, it's, it's actually about 17 per game. So the Cavs basically doubled that, and that's the league leader per game. So essentially what the Hawks did to the Raptors last night on Friday, and one of the reasons why the Hawks won the game on Friday was that they had a huge edge in the possession battle, and especially on the glass, it was the inverse in this game. Cleveland, the biggest single X factor of this contest on the stat sheet, and if you watch the game, was that Cleveland got a ton of extra chances, and they converted them, and the Hawks did not. And there you go. Both teams had the same turnover margin. It was actually uh, 11 turnovers on both sides, actually pretty good. But Cleveland ended up taking about 10 extra shooting possessions in this game because of the offensive glass. So there were good stretches defensively in this game at times, especially once the runway to the rim that kind of happened in the first quarter stopped, but it was not enough defensively. And yeah, without Capella and without Jalen Johnson, you know that's two of your three or four best defensive players and yeah, with Hunter back, that definitely helps. But they were small, and that was definitely showing up on the uh, with sort of with with the eye test, and also on the stat sheet in this game. Offensively, it looks pretty good by the by the numbers at the end. A one twenty five offensive rating against a pretty good defensive team. Yes, the Cavs don't have Evan Mobley right now, but still they have Jared Allen. They're not they're pretty well coached defensively, etc. The Hawks actually had a better effective field goal percentage than the, than the Cavs did in this game. So the Hawks actually shot better than the Cavs did. That's kind of funny. They were fifteen of thirty six from three. 42% from three, despite the fact that Bay and Hunter, com- sorry, Bay and Murray combined to shoot one of 12. So the rest of the team, outside of Murray and Bay, was 14 of 24 from three. And that kind of helped the Hawks stay in this game, but it wasn't enough. Only, uh, they actually got to the line more than the Cavs did. They took, they took care of the ball, but they were not able to make a dent on the glass without Capella. Only 21 assists as well, compared to 32 for Cleveland. Uh, Trey Young was very good. Once again, another huge game for Trey. DeJounte Murray was alive after the first quarter where he really struggled, but was better after that. And again, offensively, they did enough to win in this game, especially after the slow start. 
but they dug themselves a huge hole. And then I would still say it was much more on the defense than the offense in this game. But in the first half, admittedly, the Hawks were not great offensively either. So um, they were shorthanded for sure, all that context. But um, And Quinn said this after the game. He was pretty candid about it. Like, they just, they've been pretty good in the first quarter recently, especially even, even in some losses. They've had some good starts. And tonight was the inverse. They were really bad. The energy level was on the floor. And yeah, you could tr- you can sort of attribute that to the back-to-back and travel. Like it's pretty easy to see how that could be a factor. You never you never it's not possible to know how much of a factor it is. Pro, con, etc. But that, that kind of happened and you know, again, to their credit, the Hawks did kind of bounce back and make it interesting after that slow start. But for the most part, it just wasn't good enough, and uh, honestly, this game was not as competitive um, for most of it as the final score indicated, but the Hawks were still, they were within, what, five, six points in the fourth quarter? Like, it was very much a game with five minutes to go. So, um, you know, it wasn't a blowout. They uh, were resilient, but uh, in the end, it is a loss. It is a game that they did not cover. They were uh, not the better team in this game, and uh, even though there are reasons for that and there's nuance around that, it's another loss, and this team is 10-15, and no one's happy about that, I can assure you, at this point in time. All right, we'll have more on this game coming up in a second, but first, there were more sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Dave, and at one time or another, we all need a little bit of financial help. That's why Dave is fantastic. They can get you cash when you need a hand between paychecks and can help you build credit by settling extra cash advances on time. Dave is the banking app that helps to level the playing field financially, and when you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money that you need with no interest and then settle up later. Extra cash gives you more money to buy groceries, fill your tank, finally get the car repair that you actually need to, catch up on bills without having to wait for your next paycheck. You can even build credit when you settle up on time with Dave. Millions of folks have already downloaded the Dave app to make their finances much easier. If you're in a pinch, get the help you need right now by downloading Dave. Download Dave at dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. Get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. Returns and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer, transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. Okay, we'll dig now to how this game unfolded, and the Hawks won the second half of this game by 10 points. They even won the last three quarters by five points. So you can imagine the first quarter was a disaster, and it was. They were down 16 to three out of the gate in this one. So if you turn the game off, to turn the game on late, I should say, uh, that was most of the damage that actually happened in this game. Um, in fact, if you sort of sim to the end from like the first four minutes on, the Hawks were the better team. It's just that the beginning was not great. So. Uh, they started out missing the five, five, five first, uh, first six shots, I should say. They had offensive foul on a Kongwu. They had three points in like four and a half minutes. Murray was really bad early on, I thought, um, sort of initiating, but not kind of passively. The Cavs started out pretty hot. Um, Jared Allen had a huge first quarter. He had 14 points in less than seven minutes, all on layups and dunks. He had 17 points in the first quarter. That was a career high for Jared Allen in any quarter of any game. 17 points. And there was basically zero resistance for the Hawks. Um, not just a Kongwu, but he was part of the problem. But the perimeters, the defense was really bad in, at the outset of this game. It was a total mess defensively for the first six, seven minutes of this game. And that really cost them. Uh, rotationally, 10 guys played out of the 11 that were active. The only guy who was active and did not play in this game was Seth Lundy, who I know I am a personal fan of. He's a favorite of mine, but he, he is on a two-way contract. So it's not like a huge surprise. I know some people wanted to see him. I don't blame you for that. I would have maybe tried him in this game, but it's not like an affront that he didn't play him. It is what it is. Um, but Patty Patty Mills played in this game along with Trent Forrest. They've kind of tied Trent Forrest and Patty Mills together. Both times that Patty has played 
um, in the rotation. He's kind of been next to Trent on purpose. I think that's probably because of the defense that Trent brings. But offensively, Trent's been struggling the last couple of games. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, they play them actually with DeJounte Murray at one point. Very small, kind of like Trent's like the small forward in that, in that alignment in some ways. But um, then it was Garrison Matthews. Then it was Bruno Fernando getting his first rotation minutes of the entire season. Now, kind of amazingly in a lot of ways, this is the first time all year that the Hawks have played without either Capella or Okongwu. And I know the game, the season's only like one-third over, but it's pretty rare to have two centers play the first 24 games of the season each. Centers often miss some games, etc. Capella's an older guy, and uh, they've had some good luck there, knock on wood. But I've said this for a long time. Bruno Fernando is a very, very good third center. If Bruno Fernando is your backup center, you're probably fine, but he's an excellent third center. And I think the I think that Bruno gave them a lot of good minutes in this game. He was probably one of the brighter spots overall. I'm not saying he was dominant or that he is awesome or that he should play over Capella or Kongwu. That's not the case. But it's a nice spot, actually, to have Bruno as your third center. The Hawks have had some depth issues in the last couple of games with the way that, uh, you know, certain wings, they're very small, etc. But Bruno as a third center is a nice, nice thing to have, honestly. And that was kind of evident in this game. But the Hawks were down by as many as 19 points mid-quarter. Um, even if I had a good possession defensively and then Mitchell had a contested like heave of a three at the buzzer of the shot clock, it was just one of those quarters. The Cavs had a season high with 41 points in a quarter. The Hawks gave up about a 170 offensive rating in the period. And ironically, the Hawks had seven threes in the first quarter and were down by 13 points. It is very, very hard in the NBA to make seven threes in a quarter, which is a ton in a quarter, and be down 13 points. And that happened to the Hawks because they couldn't do anything else well at the outset. And then, another big run happened from the Cavs to, to begin the second quarter. It was a 13-4 push. I put the Hawks down by 22 points. They missed four, four shots in a row. Bay was really cold from three-point range. They allowed three threes to Sam Merrill, who's a guy I like, but certainly is a bit player in a lot of ways. Patty Mills, inexplicably going under a screen against Sam Merrill, was kind of a bad beat in a lot of ways. Defensively, they got better on the whole. After that, but again, they were down by 23 points, and that kind of puts you in a tough spot on the road with no legs, etc. They got torched, and the Hawks did take care of the ball, but that was kind of it in the first half. They got into the halftime, you know, more in a reasonable spot because, you know, Trey kind of closed the half well. They were only, quote-unquote, down 18 points, but in the third, they kind of came alive, and to their credit. Again, 11-0 run mid-quarter to get it from 18 down to 7 and the start of the half was about the offense, and then the defense got eight consecutive stops in the third quarter. If anything, the run should have probably even been bigger because the Cavs didn't score for more than like four and a half minutes. But um, that was the big thing to push them back into the game. The Cavs did kind of, uh, you know, get stabilized, but uh, kind of a weird moment at the end of the quarter with Trey getting a, uh, actually didn't got, he did, not, did not get called for a delay of game. Oh, Tristan Thompson won one. But Trey got fouled and kind of tossed the ball up towards the backboard and kind of stuck there for a while. No harm, no foul, kind of an odd moment. But the Hawks got it to 11 at the end of the quarter. Um, the energy level was way different after halftime, and so was the defense in particular. I thought Donovan Mitchell hit two or three tough jump shots in the third for Cleveland, or it would have been even closer. Murray was better in the third. Um, Trey was better in the third, etc. And there was a bad challenge by Cleveland early in the fourth quarter. Ironically, the, the Hawks went to the starting lineup with like 10.40 to go in the fourth, which never happens. Now, they didn't close with that the entire way. It just kind of happened strangely. It's just a kind of a reminder that Quinn and company are having to jigger everything weirdly right now with rotation, and that is part of the reason why it was such a weird situation. They didn't close with Hunter, as I said before. I think he's probably on a restriction. No one said that to me, but I think if you read between the lines, it kind of has to be. But anyway, 
Trey got hot in the fourth quarter once again. It was a 14-5 run. He had a deep three, and the Hawks were down only by six with 10 minutes to go. So at that point, you are back in the game in capital letters. Like, obviously you're not favored because you're losing. It's on the road, but they're back in the game at that point. There was a big swing in the middle of the quarter, I thought. They nearly closed the possession defensively with Bay getting a steal, and he kind of threw the ball away, trying to get trying to keep it in balance. Then Mitchell hit back-to-back threes, and it was back to 13. That was a huge blow. Now, it wasn't over, but I'm circling that one as like maybe when the game kind of pivoted back to Cleveland a little bit. Trey got cooking, though. He had 13 points in the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter. The Hawks did score in bunches in the fourth. They had 38 points in the fourth quarter. They just couldn't get stops. So in the third quarter, they got the stops. In the fourth quarter, they scored and scored and scored and scored, but you can't trade points when you're losing, and that's what kind of happened. That was the, that's the kind of the short version of what happened in the fourth quarter of this game is that they, the, the run of stops that you kind of have to have to close the gap just didn't happen. They were down by seven with like two minutes to go after Trey got to the line. They traded points, traded points. Then Mitchell kind of cooked DeJounte, honestly, off the dribble for a jump shot to kind of end the game. And the Hawks turned the, ball, turned the ball over, and it was really over after that. So it was never closer than five or six points, actually six points in the fourth quarter. It was seven with two minutes to go. So they were right there. It just was never like tie game with two minutes. It wasn't quite there at this point in time. And again, Yeoman's work by the Hawks to get back in the game. But um, I don't want to overstate this, but the Hawks lost this game. In the first quarter. It's very obvious. If you watch the game back, the only time that this game was lopsided or it felt like the Hawks were getting just run out of the out of the gym, if you want to extend it by the first the first 15 minutes instead of the first quarter, it's probably more appropriate, honestly. But you just can't afford, especially when you're playing without like three of your best guys, to dig that kind of hole. Quinn talked about it. He acknowledged it. I'm sure the team knows that. It's just that they had no energy at the, at the beginning of the game. Cleveland took advantage of that. They ran them out of the gym for a while. And uh, in the NBA, the margins are very small, and that is why they lost this game in the end. So I'll have more on what transpired with the player-by-player breakdowns, as we always do on the podcast. But before we get to that, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix. And PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy platform in North America and the most exciting and the easiest way as well to play DFS right now. And all you have to do is PrizePix is pick two to six players that choose actually have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds or a ton of different categories across the sporting landscape. And you went up to 25 times the money on your entries, and they have common projections now across sports to include two or more players from different sports or different leagues. There's a huge selection of sports and stat types not offered anywhere else, and they have projections on the NFL, of course, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college sports, and much more. They also have a reboot policy, and Prepix is currently the only DFS platform with an injury insurance policy. I've really enjoyed playing there for quite some time there. I've honestly been playing there for years at this point. I dig into the NBA stuff all the time, college basketball, NFL is a lot of fun as well. I highly recommend the experience of PrizePix. It's really easy, it's fun, and it really is something to kind of get into when you are ready to dig in the numbers. And you know if you listen to this podcast, you probably like numbers, and I know I do as well. And the place to go if you enjoy the DFS space is prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use, use the promo code LockedOnNBA for a first-time deposit match up to $100. One more time, the place to go is prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. When you get there, use promo code LockedOnNBA. Check out Daily Fantasy Sports Sports Made Easy with PrizePix. All right, we'll end a probably shorter show than usual with a look at the player-by-player breakdowns. It's Saturday. It's a back-to-back. Um, also, the uh, sort of a sort of a bonus show by network standards, and of course, there wasn't a ton to get to after the early part of this game. But ten guys still played. Trent Forrest played the least. He played seven minutes, had three rebounds and an assist. Uh, sorry, three rebounds, rebounds and a steal. Uh, did not score though. Missed two, missed two shots at the rim. Uh, Trent's offense got a lot of pushback in this game from some fans. I understand why. If he's missing that little floater shot, 
around the rim. It's kind of what he needs to make. And I think everybody kind of knows the deal with Trent for it. I'm, I'm predisposed to liking Trent, and I still do. But offensively, he is limited, which is why he doesn't play more. That's kind of the reality of the situation. Patty Mills. Three points, hit, hit a three, had two assists, two rebounds, and a turnover. Defensively, Patty is a challenge, let's just say. He's not very good, which is why he's not playing more as well. But I thought he gave them okay minutes off the bench. Garrison Matthews played 14 minutes, made both of his shots, two for two, drew another charge as he is wants to do. Had four fouls, though, in 14 minutes. Garrison will muck it up, and uh, he certainly did in this game. He was okay. I don't think he played very well, honestly, but he made both of the shots. I still want Garrison Matthews to shoot more when he plays. I'm not saying that he needs to play a ton more, but when he should, when he, he probably should be taking, taking more than two shots. Just my opinion. Uh, Wes Matthews actually closed the game at the uh, defensive spots alongside uh, Sadiq Bey at, at the three because Hunter was not playing anymore. Uh, Wes was actually plus eight in this game. Two points, two rebounds, and an assist. Made his only two-point shot of the game. Had a nice uh, sort, of, sort of fake and drive. Defensively, Wes is rock solid. Offensively, he is not very good. And that's kind of the story right now with the bench players on the Hawks roster, the deep guys, is that Mills is a one-way player on offense. Wes is mostly a one-way player on defense. Gary Matthews could kind of play both ends, but not great on either end of the floor. Trent Forrest, definitely more of a specialist defensively at this point in time. So limitations, limitations, limitations. But the bench was actually okay on the whole. And a part of that was that, uh, sorry, that Bruno Fernando was quite good. I know I said, said this before, but Bruno had 13 points and 8 rebounds in 16 minutes. Had an assist, had a block, no turnovers, only two fouls, was plus 7 in a game they lost by 8. Um, got to the line 5 times, made 5-7 from the floor. I think Bruno was very good in this game, honestly. I'm not saying he's going to blow you away every night, but um, I thought that if they didn't have Bruno, if they had a, a lot of teams, their third center is worse than Bruno Fernando. And especially right now, without Jalen Johnson available, the lack of size is so stark that like having a luxury of having a real third center was huge in this game. Um, of course, he hasn't, he hasn't had to play so far this year, and I don't think Bruno should play if Capella and Okongwu are healthy. They are better than him. But if you have one of those guys go down... It's a good spot to have have Bruno, and honestly, without Bruno in this game, they lose by 15 or more. So he was very valuable. They didn't win the game, but I think he should be lauded for the way he played off the bench. To the starters in this one, Sadiq Bey had a rough one on offense. He was one of nine from the floor, one of seven from three, five points, then six rebounds, and two steals. I thought he played actually physically and competed defensively for the most part. I will say though, his defense. I've been saying all year long, like. The breakdowns are just maddening. He'll make mistakes. He makes mistakes off the ball a lot. He gets cooked on the ball a lot. He's a bad defensive player at this point in time. I don't mean not to be harsh. He just kind of is. But he is physical. He is beefy. But the problem with right now with Sadiq is that he's not shooting the ball well. And he kind of needs to. So the last five games, it's a small sample size for sure. He's 7 of 33 from 3. And that includes, of course, 1 of 7 tonight. And he's got to make shots because defensively it's kind of a hit-and-miss proposition. Obviously, he has to play and play a lot right now with the limitations on Hunter and also the absence of Johnson. He played 36 minutes. That was that was deserved, but uh, he didn't play very well because the shooting did not fall and the, and the defense was kind of rough. Uh, Hunter played 26 minutes, 18 points in his first uh, game back after a absence. Only took seven shots from the field, but got to the line six times as well. 2-2 um, two, two from three. Two rebounds is not enough. Um, did have a steal. No turnovers. I thought Hunter was okay. Um, he made his shots, which is certainly uh, helpful, but I think that he uh, will ease back in a little bit more. Hopefully his knee responds well to this. Uh, we haven't got any more clarity on what was going on with the knee to miss three games in a row, but uh, knock on wood, he's back and ready to go and hopefully play more minutes than this because they kind of need his defense uh, more so than his offense at this point in time. Uh, Akongwu. So kind of a weird one for Onyeka. 16 points, which was fourth on the team in scoring. Um, did have four fouls in this game, actually three pretty quickly. He was 5 of 8 on 2s, 2 of 4 from 3. 
Um, so he's efficient as a scorer in this game, but only had four rebounds, including two defensive rebounds. Did have a block, one assist. I thought Aneka was not good. Uh, he finished around the rim in the way that he usually does. Hit two threes, although one of them was very late and kind of meaningless. Um, I thought he got overpowered by Jarrett Allen in this game. I think there were some too aggressive um, observations from fans and takes and stuff like that about how this proves that Onyeka is a power forward. And all. No, he, he's a center, but um, it is a reminder that he is limited, especially when playing with small laps around him. It, it helps to have Hunter back, but you would never, ever, ever say that Sadiq Bey is a good pairing for a Congo at the 4 and the 5. Because Sadiq Bey is small. Not small, like, beef-wise, but he's not long. And rebounding-wise, at the 4, he's just okay. Hunter is a bad rebounder at the 3. He always has been. Trey and DeJounte are small. Like, the Hawks are just really small. And without Capella to kind of sop up a lot of the rebounding stuff, it's a bad spot for a Congo to be in. With that said, he was really bad in the first in the first quarter. Like, very bad. He was not the only one. A lot of team, basically the whole team was bad, but he was glaringly getting beaten to the rim and to to loose balls, etc. By Jared Allen, he was better after that, but um, it was not a game that was um, sort of the ring endorsement of Kongwu. And I think he's been better lately on the whole. But I think it's also fair to say, and I'll say it again now, like he has not blown anybody away this season. I know he had a double double on Friday. Again, he played pretty good basketball in Toronto, but on the whole. A guy that I've liked, and I think that it's a good contract that they signed him to, etc. It's a bargain deal. It's like more like a rotation level deal than a star level deal. But um, he, for all the Capella noise, and I know I'm, a, I'm kind of a noted Capella advocate, I don't think the Kongu was forced in their hand this year as far as like people wanting to start the Kongu and not. I think that, that's kind of quieted down because Capella's been good, and I think that's kind of been very obviously the case. But they missed Capella in this game. And Kongwu, yeah, he wasn't awful, but I don't think he played very well, especially when you factor in a rough start to the contest. Um, to the backcourt. DeJounte Murray, I thought, was pretty good after the first quarter. I thought he was actually actively bad in the first quarter, um, much like a Kongwu was, probably even worse, honestly, in some ways. But once he kind of woke up, he was pretty attentive. Ended up with 21.6 assists in this game. 0-5 from 3. Again, he and Sadiq could not make a 3-pointer in this game, but he had 70 points in the second half. I thought he was far more aggressive and more impactful as the game went along, the Hawks need more from him for 48 minutes, but I thought that he was, once he got going, he was okay. Actually, he was pretty good when he got going, but if you factor in the first quarter, eh. And then Trey is red hot right now. I mean, 35 points, 10 assists for Trey in this game. He has been, uh, not just like shooting-wise, which we'll come back to in a second, but like just the numbers for Trey the last several games are like out of this world. Um, okay, going back, to, going back to the Spurs game, which is the last game of November, he has scored 45 points, 32 points, 30 points. They had, he had 19 against Denver, and then he had 35, 38, and 35. So if he's averaging like 33 a game-ish in the last seven or eight games, um, something like that, he's also shooting the ball at an incredible level. It's honestly unfortunate because this might be his best three-point shooting stretch of his career. It's certainly high on the list. Last 12 games from three, he's made 56 threes in 12 games. That's almost five per game. That's a ton of makes. Almost 11 attempts per game, 44% from three in that stretch, and uh, he had seven threes in this game tonight. And without those, they're in deep trouble. So, uh, Trey was really good again. Defensively, not his best, I didn't think, but he was competitive. Tennis as well, like, it is what it is, and I think that if they had won more games this week, he would be a player of the week candidate. He won't win it because they didn't win games, but I thought I think Trey's been playing since the first couple of weeks of the year when he just could not make a shot. <laughs> um, I expressed at that point in time that it was not going to stay that way because, like, he's just too good to be shooting that badly. But basically from the – from, like, 
I don't know, we'll say the last four weeks or so, he's been one of the best office players in the league. That's how good he's been, is what it is. So, uh, you know, this game, he was their best player, and uh, we'll leave it there for now. So, from here, the Hawks are again 10 to 15. Uh, you know, this is not a loss to be wringing your hands about, I don't think. I do acknowledge that they've not been, play, been playing well recently. And man, I am just for the for the take cycle. I'm glad that they won on Friday because if they had lost on Friday and they were still in this in, the, in a losing streak, it would be panic at the disco at this point in time. But they're uh, resilient at this point. So something I have to mention: uh, I might have a show in between now and then. Um, in fact, I'm planning on one, but I don't want to commit too too much. But the Hawks play their next game on Monday at home against the Detroit Pistons. So, if you're not following the league closely right now, Detroit's on a 23-game losing streak. I'm not kidding. They've lost 23 games in a row. They're 2-24 and on the year. So, they actually started 2-1, and and they've lost 23 games in a row. Now, um, given that I'm from Atlanta, uh, and I've been around for a long time, I understand exactly why this is happening. But when I put that on Twitter tonight, once the, once the Pistons lost tonight, I tweeted out that they are on this losing streak. And 80% of the responses were like, in abject fear about the game on Monday. And I get why, because it's a very Atlanta thing to be worried about that. Uh, I don't blame you at all. Uh, actually, the Spurs won this weekend, so the Pistons are now in their own tier for losing streaks. So, okay, there's two things here. It's a very, very favorable matchup. It's a home game, and it's the worst team in the league right now. So, obviously, that's a good matchup. I will also be the one to say, and I would always say this, but I'll say it again now, this is the NBA. Nothing is assured. Ever. You could be a 15-point favorite. You might lose. Um, the Hawks won't be that big a favorite anyway in this game. But uh, I wouldn't just pencil in or win. At the same time, objectively, it's a good situation to be in, to be, to be facing the Pistons at home on normal rest. So we'll see who's available to play in that game. Capella, Bogdanovich. Um, I don't think Jalen's going to be back by then. I think he's got a little bit more time to go. But we'll hopefully get some injury updates in the next couple of days. But if they get Capella and Bogdanovich back, that'd be very helpful for the game on Monday. But uh, we'll uh, sort of be a TBD on that in between. The Hawks probably won't practice on Sunday because they had the back-to-back. So we might, our, next, our next time to talk to the Hawks might be shoot-around Monday. And then I'll be in the building for the game on Monday night against Detroit. But uh, stay tuned for all of that. We'll have plenty to discuss in the near future. And again, I'm hoping to have a podcast between now and then. But if not, I'll be back again at the very latest after the game on Monday. Please subscribe to the podcast. I certainly encourage everyone to do that. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening to a deep dive about a game on Saturday night that wasn't a lot of fun in a lot of different ways, but I really appreciate you for supporting the podcast, but please leave five-star ratings and reviews about the show. Follow us. If you're if you're an audio listener, I know I'm mostly an audio listener to podcasts that I listen to. Also, smash the subscribe button on the YouTube page to help us out to grow there as well. Uh, maybe download the podcast multiple times, etc. Tell a friend about the podcast as well. Follow the show on Twitter slash X at Lots on Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. You can also follow my written work about the Hawks at patreon.com slash BT Roland. One more plug, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Overcast, etc. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, and we'll see you at the very latest after the game on Monday.